if first of all, let me invite you to turn to First John chapter two. But while you're turning there, uh, we still have room in the choir. If you noticed, and we need to fill those seats. So if you'd like to sing with us, are y'all practicing on a weekly basis? What are y'all doing now? So Sunday morning, they get to go over the song. So come on and join with us. There's seats open, and we need you to fill those seats. And they're working on some music. And on that note, uh, coming up at the, the last Sunday night of this month, we've got a lady by the name of Terry Castleberry. And she just happened to be the roommate of one of our ladies. <clears throat> and, oh, she's, she promised to tell me some stories on her. Don't believe her? <laughs> I, th- I think we're going to get some good ones. So. <laughs> Anyway, but she'll be here the last Sunday night of this month. Uh, she She's the one that back in January she was going to come, and then she had an accident, and she was out of capacity for about four or five months, I guess. And she just is getting back now and getting back. She's the one that does the Lottie Moon rendition, I guess it would be called. And so that will uh, be coming up. You won't – I'm sorry? Corey Temple. Yeah, that's what – I'm just checking. Y'all make sure y'all knew. Corey Ten Boone, excuse me. But she'll be here on the Sunday night of the last Sunday of this month. And also, not long after that, we've got a very special Sunday, well, Saturday, Saturday night and Sunday. We've got the, the author that wrote The Anchor Holds will be here, uh, as well as some other guests. You know, this uh, Dennis and, and uh, <coughs> I don't know who's, I don't, Scott's getting this together. It's scary. That's just sort of an inside thing. You have to, I, I'll have to share with you later. But where's, where's Jim? Is Jim in here? Where's Jim? There he is back there. Jim, I'm, I feel sorry for you. I just, I just feel sorry for you. That's Jim's son. I don't know about that boy. There's something's wrong with him. So anyway, it, but they'll be here on September the eighth. And they'll be doing the morning service, and that night, the 7th, the, the group will come and do a uh, concert for the community if they want to come. But then on yeah. Okay, that's what it is. Just making sure you got it right. If you will, get your Bibles and turn with it to First John chapter 2. Now, we began last week looking at a little series, and this is the second part of it. Did you know? And last week we talked about different things in the question, but I want to ask you this morning, did you know that you can personally know God? Now, think about that statement. That sounds a little broad there. Did you know that you can know God in a personal way? If I were to ask you some questions, we'll get to the verse in just a moment. If I were to ask you some questions, why were you put here on this earth? What should you be what should be your greatest goal in life? What is the single greatest achievement you could obtain on this earth? And last, what is the secret to eternal life? Those four questions all have the same answer. It's a two-letter, two-word answer, and it is simply knowing God. We'll answer every one of those questions. Would you stand with me as we read this passage? First John chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. 
Now, by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his words truly, the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this passage you've given us. Now we ask that you just go with us through the rest of the service. Lord, speak to our hearts that you may enter each one of us. And, Lord, there may be somebody here today that's a member of a church, member of this church perhaps, but they've never come to know in a personal way that they can know Jesus Christ through you, that they can have a relationship with God Almighty. They've never sensed that it's possible. Lord, let us open this passage and show them how that they can do that this morning. All these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Through knowing God, you can have, you can know God in a personal way, not just some distance way. This is what God wants from you, and for more, from you more than anything else, God wants you to know Him. He wants you to have a relationship with Him. In fact, He even says He desires to be your friend, to be a friend of God. Now, if you think about it, that's an awesome statement because he's God and I'm not. We don't have a whole lot in common, I'll be honest with you. But he says he wants to know me personally and he wants me to know him personally. That's wild if you think about it. That is unusual. That doesn't seem like it fits the concept of our little minds compared to the mind of God. But yet, that's exactly what he's telling us. He wants to know us in a personal way. This is, again, this is what God wants from you and from more, you more than anything else in our lives, your life, my life, is he wants to know us. You say, wait a minute, I thought God knew all about us. He wants us to have a personal relationship with him. Now, that just blows my mind that the God of this universe can speak a word and the planets are formed and the stars are put up there and the, everything takes place. He wants to know me in a personal way and you in a personal way. That just seems so far-fetched. It, it doesn't seem like it makes sense. But stay with me. In fact, if you look at Hosea, Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, you don't have to look there. I'm going to read it to you. Hosea 6, 6 t- says this, For I, this is what God said in verse, this verse. For I desire, desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. God just said in Hosea 6, 6, He wants to know us in a personal way, so personal that He knows us inside and out. I thought God already knew that. He created us, didn't He? He gave us life. He gave us all these things. Then why is it that he needs to get to know us? It's not so much him getting to know us. He wants us to get to know him in a personal way. More than your time, more than your talent, more than your treasure, God wants you to know him and to know him personally. Today, the popular thing to do, seems to do, is to get to know yourself. Now, I was talking to a man just just before we started service, and he had uh, from California. I'm not going to call his name, but it uh, he's talking about out in California. Now, on your driver's license, you can have male, 
or female or undetermined. You can be anything you want to be. Now, I'll be honest, I've never had a desire to get up in the morning and become a woman. I just haven't had that desire. But there's people today that's putting that on their license, driver's license. And it's, they're, what's wrong with people? I mean, mean, what is wrong with people today? What is going on? But yet that's a big issue. We hear in our schools, well, let the child decide what they want to be. Uh, No, I don't think it worked that way. You see, God looks at us. And he said, I want you to know me in a personal way. And I don't believe that's what he desires for us personally. Now, it may be. I don't know. But it just. But today we want to find out who we are. Get in touch with your inner feelings. Discover the real you. Let me let you in, let, me let you in a little secret. Unless you get to know God, you'll never get to know you the way you need to. Romans 8, 6 says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. When it comes to knowing God, there are four groups of people in this world, and maybe all four of them are sitting here in this congregation today. I don't know. Here's the first group. There are people who don't know God and who know they don't know God, and they probably have no desire to know Him. There might be somebody sitting in this room right now that's in that category. They would make no pretense about it. They either don't believe in God or they believe in God and just and don't acknowledge a personal relationship. In other words, they, he's got nothing to do with my life. I'm going to live my life the way I want to. That's how some people live. What? That's how some people understand God. So that's why I start off saying that God wants to get to know us. That's an awesome thought, an awesome adventure, if we would. Again, they'd make no pretense about it. They don't believe in God. They don't believe God exists. And if he did, then he really doesn't have anything to do with me. He made me, and that's up to me now to take the course of my life and do and take care of myself and my family and all these things that go into life. And you know, God has nothing to do with it. I want to let you know real quick, I don't believe that one. There may be people here like that today, but I, don't, I still don't believe it. The second kind of people... There are people who don't know God, but they think they do know God. And they may be sitting right here in this crowd. This includes a lot of religious people. And I emphasize that word religious because we don't need to be religious folks. We need to be godly. And there's a whole lot of difference there. Religion is what causes all these wars we see all across this world. Religion has done more harm than good ever did. And so religion is not what we need. Aren't we a religious people? Well, yes, in a degree. But religion is not a good thing. Religion puts handicaps upon us. God says, I want you to follow me. This includes a lot of religious people again. A lot of people who regularly attend church. And they honestly think that they know God, but they really don't. They may know about God. They may speak of him. They may even use his name when they pray sometimes. But just because you use God's name does not mean anything. In fact, some people use God's name in the wrong way. 
it doesn't matter what you think about God. What matters is what does God know about you. That's the difference. And there's all kind of people in this world. The third group, there are people who know God, but they're not sure they know God. That's probably the biggest group right there. They think they know God. They come to church, they hear about God, and they do all these things that's going in church and so forth and different places, and they hear about God, and they think, well, that's a nice concept. But just because you come to church does not mean you're a child of God. You can come to this church, in fact, every day of the week if you want to and not be one step closer to God. There's things you have to do to get to that point where God says, now you're one of mine. And watch, he does that here in just a little bit. There's a lot of these kind of people who really do know God, perhaps not as well as they should, but they do know him. But they just not, they're just not sure that they have a personal relationship with them. And that's what we're going to emphasize this morning. There are people who know God and know they know God. And that's the group we want to be in. These, people, these are the people who know God, have a deep personal relationship with them and got with God, and, would, and you would never, ever be able to convince them otherwise. They know what they are. I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. You're not going to convince me any other way. I was there when it happened. I know I am. I watched it take place. I watched my life transform. I've seen what God do, has done in my family, my, chi- my children's family, and so forth. I know what God did in my life. I've shared with you before one of my favorite songs is the... Uh, I just went blank with it. Uh, How great thou art. Now, the reason that's so great to me, we had just, I had just been a Christian a short time. Judy's death, I've shared this with you, but I'm going to share it again. Judy's dad and some other guys came by, and they were fixing to start a little church in Fort Worth. And so they were trying to get her to be the piano player. And I sat across the room and said, yeah, you need to do that, yeah. And finally she says, okay, I'll do it. And then they turned to me and says, we want you to be music director. Now, folks, as God is my witness, if you had asked me that, at that time of, to sing Jesus Loves Me, I couldn't have begun to tell you what it was about or anything else. I didn't know nothing about the Christian denomination. But for some goofy reason, before I could say no, God says, yes, you are. And I said, okay, I'll do it. Now, what they don't know, though, see, they thought I was pretty good. I just started out, man, I had my arm going this way. I did all the right stuff. and uh, just, it just It was neat. What we'd do is we'd go home Sunday afternoons, and Jesus, Judy would get the hymn book out and say, okay, here's what you do. Down on this one, up this one, this, over this way, this way, this way. And those people thought I was good. I mean, they just, oh, this, is, this is neat. And that's the way a lot of people are about God. We may know what to do, but unless you've had a personal experience with him, you've never met him. Unless it's something personal in your life, you've never met him. I don't care what church you go to. You can visit every Baptist church in town and be lost and go to hell. Or whatever church. It doesn't matter. This is the people that Jesus is talking about. Now, we know this. It says in verse uh, chapter, uh, John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. Now, we know this. Now, by this we know 
still getting confused. Now, by this we know that we know him. Did you hear those words? That's words of confidence. The Apostle Paul referred to these types of people when he said in verse 3, Now, by this you know him. You know him. That's what you can do. That's 1 John 2, 3. The Apostle Paul said it's, impo- it's possible not only to know God, but to know that you know God. And once you get there, you can't lose it. You cannot lose your salvation according to God's Word. Oh, you can do things to embarrass yourself. You can do things to lose your testimony. And that happens all the time, inside and outside of churches. But if you're truly saved, my Bible tells me you're saved forever. You don't have to worry about it. A lot of people don't believe that. Did you know that you can know God? Did you know that you can know that you know God? I'd like to make three simple statements here that can transform your life and can totally transform how you see your relationship with God. Number one, you can go to where you do know God. Listen to verse 3, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. By this we know that we know him. If, that little word if, we keep his commandments. Did you hear that? All of a sudden the gas sort of runs out. Oh, God says we can know him in a personal way if we keep his commandments. That seems simple, doesn't it? But watch what else goes on here. Again, 1 John 2, 3. By this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Let those two statements sink in a minute just for a moment. By this we can know him if we keep his commandments. You can know God, no question about it. You can know that you know God, no question about it. The very reason that Jesus Christ came to this earth is so that you and I could know God and become God's friend. Why does God want us as a friend? I mean, he could snap his fingers and make as many friends as he wants to. He could do anything. and Why does he want us as friends? Because that's why he created us. We have a soul. Now, I've got a little dog at home. and I mean, he's part of our family. His name's Rambo. He's, he's a vicious little dog, let me tell you. At least he thinks he is anyway. And I love that dog. But guess what? I hate, I hate to break it to you, but I don't see dogs in heaven. They may be. I just haven't found it. And, yes, we can love our pets, and we should love our pets, take care of them. But yet that's not a soul like each one of us sitting here. God has put into us a soul that's different from all other creation. I don't know why he chose to do that. We'll find out one of these days. I may get up in heaven and find my little dog one of these days. I don't know. But we do know that's it. Now, all things of God, who has reconciled us to himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. Why does God so love us that much? Because he gave his very son to die for us. 
If God loved Jesus as much as he did, and you know how much he loved him, and he gave him to die for us, don't you think he's going to love us? We're not trash, folks. We're created by God. We may not always do what God wants to do, but we're still people of God. If that question's answered, can you think of a greater privilege in this life than becoming a friend of God? That's why I say to you unequivocally, life's greatest privilege ever is knowing God, knowing Him personally. Now, again, there may be somebody here that you know God. You know, you've know you heard about Him. You were raised in Sunday school. You've been to church all of your life. You've heard about God all your but there's just nothing personal about it. And I want to share this morning why God wants to be personal with you and be a friend to you. You know you can learn a lot about people by how they brag, right? I want you to listen to what God himself said that you ought to brag about. He's telling us we ought to brag about this. This is Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 through 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understand and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth, for these I delight, says the Lord. That's not my words. God just told you why he loves you. God just told you why he cares about you. Why he gives you the, wants you to do the best. So he lays out a life for us and what we call God's will for each one of us. And he lays out a path. And if we follow it, that's the best life you can have. Now, does that mean you'll never mess up? Of course not. If I were to ask everybody in this room, have you ever messed up? I guarantee you, if you're honest, everybody in this room would raise your hand. Because we all have. Even after we become Christians, we've messed up. Let's move a little farther. How many times... I'll skip that. Let's move on a little bit. God was bragging bragging on us in that verse. He was telling us why He wants to know us personally. God says the only thing worth bragging about in this life is that you understand Him and you know Him. You understand who God is. The word know in the Hebrew language means to know with your senses, not just in your mind. It's not just an intellectual knowledge. This is an emotional knowledge. It means not just knowing God in your head. It means knowing God in your heart. That you know He's there. You know He's real. You know He guides you. You know He has input in your life. You can know much about God without knowing God. You can read the Bible. You can find out things about God. You can listen to people talk. You can find out things about God. But that does not necessarily mean God's in your heart. And that's when it becomes real, folks. Let me ask you the question of the day. Do you know God? Don't raise your hand. Don't speak out. Don't just, just think about it for a minute. Do you know God today? Let me put it another way. 
If you were to walk out of this building, get in your car and start driving home and had a horrible accident, do you know God at that point? See what a difference it makes. It's not the intelligence, the intellectual knowledge we have. It's do you know that you know that you know him. That's what counts. I'm not asking you your theological IQ. I'm not asking how much you know about the Bible, how much you played Bible trivia and get it right sometimes, or even how many Bible verses you can memorize. Let me tell you, and this is a true story. When I was taking college courses as a community college in the Fort Worth area and so forth, I was going to it night. In fact, I was going over to take music courses so I could learn to do what Jesus, was, Jesus Judy was teaching me to do, <laughs> and Jesus for that matter. But uh, there was a guy in our class, and we got to talking. Didn't know a thing about him. I mean, we were both just, just students, all we were. Got to talking to him one day, and we sat down and was talking, and here's what he said. I said, are you a Christian? He said, no, I'm not. I don't believe in God. I says, really? So why? Why's that? He said, well, let me tell you. He says, I believe. I like the Bible. I love to read the Bible. It's one of the most beautiful books of stories that you can find. But they're just stories. That's all they are. And I, I couldn't help but think. Wait a minute. How can you read the Bible and not find the God? Because you're not looking for Him. Number one. And this guy probably could. And, and I say this. Because I don't know, but I'm saying he could probably quote more scriptures than any preacher I've ever known in my life. He could quote chapters, but it didn't mean anything to him because it wasn't real. It was a book of poetry. It was a book of stories. It was a book of beauty, but it had no meaning to him. He could read through John 3.16 and not even understand what he's talking about. There's people like that, folks, that they hear God's Word, but they never get to know Him in a personal way. I would admit to you that I know something about God before you can know God. We all do. But you can know much You can know much about God without knowing God. That's almost sad. The average person thinks that just believing God is all that there is, all that's necessary. Well, I believe in God. And they use that as, that's plenty. No, it's not, folks. That's just knowledge of the head. This world is filled with people who acknowledge the fact that God exists in some way or the other. But they don't know him. In fact, let me give you Albert Einstein. You ever heard of that guy? Pretty smart guy, I understand. Listen to what he said. This is his quote. Certainly there is a God. Any man who doesn't believe that is believe in a cosmic force is a fool. But then he adds this. But we could never know him. He was such of a genius of a man. But he missed the main point in life. Can you imagine what Albert Einstein could have become if he had become a Christian and used that knowledge that he had in a godly way? With all due respect, Einstein himself was brilliant. A brilliant fool. 
because Einstein died without knowing Christ as far as we know. The second thing we see real quick. You can show that you do know God. You can not only know that you know God, but you can show others that you know God. And here's where we all fit in. If you're a child of God, guess what Jesus told us to do? He says, y'all come to church and sit there on Sunday mornings and just enjoy it and go back home and watch the ball game that afternoon. No, he didn't. God told each and every one of us, go outside these doors and let the world see Jesus. Now, I'm not going to ask you how good you're doing at that because I know how bad I'm doing at that. But that's what Jesus said to us. He says, go out among the people and tell them about Jesus. Do we do that? As a general rule, no, we don't. But as a church, we ought to be ashamed that we don't because every one of us are called to do that. Every church, not just this one. We ought to be ashamed of it, really. Does my heart have an attitude of obedience in my life, a demonstration of the action of obedience? Is there obedience in my life, but yet also is there demonstration? In other words, go outside these walls. We can sit here every week and wait for people to come in and join with us. That's probably not going to happen. But Jesus says, go out and tell them. Every one of us go to Walmart. I can't think of what's other H-E-B. I am not an H-E-B person. I know y'all lovers of H-E-B. I'm a Walmart guy. I know where things are at Walmart. I go to Walmart. Judy goes to H-E-B. So we don't shop together. <laughs> She just spends more than I do. That's all there is to it. But nah. anyway, <clears throat> now what's First John chapter two, verse three and four? Now by this we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He who says I know Him and does not keep His commandments, the truth is not in him. John doesn't mince any words, does he? You can claim to know God all you want. You can call yourself a believer all you want. You can call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ all you want until your voice goes out on you. But if you do not keep his commandments and do what he tells you, here's what he says you are. It's not my words. He says, you're a liar. You're a liar. There's an interesting statement in the book of Daniel about knowing God, and it reads like this. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, excuse me. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. We can draw two conclusions from that statement. First of all, there are people who do know God, and there are people who don't know God. Second, there's a difference between people who do know God and people who don't. There's a difference. People who know God live like they know God. People who don't know God live as they want to. I don't think the average follower of Christ understands just how crucial obedience is to the relationship with God. I think we overlook it so much. Obedience is crucial to your spiritual happiness. It's indispensable in your spiritual health. 
it is absolutely necessary to your spiritual holiness. There's nothing that will cause you to doubt your salvation more or to doubt your relationship with God more than disobedience in our lives. Think about it. And we're all in the same category. Because we all disobey disobey sometimes. Every time I disobey God's will for my life, I'm out of step with God. Every one of us are. Until we get that back where we need it in our lives. The most famous king of the Old Testament, King David. David committed adultery with a woman named Bathsheba. He got her pregnant. To cover it up, he called her husband, Uriah, come back from the battlefield. And he tried to get his soldier to go in and just have a relationship with his wife. But he refused. Uriah said, no, my job is to be on the battlefield. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Same thing David should have been doing, remember, when it all happened. He had Uriah sent back to the battlefield put on the front lines, and then ordered him deserted by his fellow soldiers. Now, again, I've never been a soldier, but I guarantee you these men and women are soldiers in this room right here. That would be something you would not consider doing, I'm sure. You never could understand, never would do that in a battle. You wouldn't leave your fellow soldier there all by themselves. David went on to cover up the story, what happened. I mean, Watergate had nothing on old David. He did a good job covering up. But the entire time he tried to cover up what he had done, he was absolutely miserable. If you go back and read the Word of God. He could get no rest. He knew he had sinned. He knew he had messed up bad. But he tried to cover it up, just like all of us do sometimes when some little thing happens and we try to cover it up. Oh, it was just a little deal. Listen to this verse in Psalms chapter 51, verse 12. David's speaking, and he says, Restore to me again the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. You know what David was saying? God, I'm miserable. I sin tremendously. I've sinned terribly. I can't get this out of my mind. It's eating me alive, just like things will do when you let them. And he said, return me again to the joy of your salvation. He didn't lose his salvation. He lost the joy of his salvation. You don't lose your salvation, folks, but you can certainly lose the joy of it. And David was miserable. And until he came to that point, he continued to be miserable. David had to learn the hard way. Your assurance of knowing God goes out the window with disobedience. He was no longer assured that salvation in his mind. It's important that we learn a lesson about obedience because a lot of people don't understand it. Serving God is not the same thing as obeying God. Service is doing something for God. Obedience is doing the right thing for God. There's a difference between obedience and service. Do you know that you can serve God without obeying God? Let me give you an illustration. Suppose God called you into youth ministry or whatever. Perhaps you agreed maybe even to lead a Sunday school class, something like that. 
Perhaps you agreed to work with children's ministry. Maybe you even agreed to go on a mission trip. You're serving God, but you're not obeying God because you're not doing what God told you to do. A big difference. Obedience is not doing what you want to do for God, which can be a good thing. There's a lot of things we can do for God that's a good thing. It is doing what God wants you to do for Him that makes the difference. Obedience is doing what God wants you to do when God wants you to do it. Where God wants you to do it, the way that God wants you to do it. God has a specific plan for your life. I skipped a little bit here. Trying to find my place where I was going to skip to. Can't find it. There we go. Ponder God's principles. First Thessalonians five seventeen says, "Pray without ceasing." Do we do that? Ponder God's principles. If you really want to grow in knowledge of God, you've got to get as deeply into His Word as you possibly can. I don't believe you can do God's will without understanding what God says in His book. The more you know what God says, the more you hear what God wants for your life. The more you hear what God wants, the better you'll be able to carry out His will. The better you're able to carry out His will, the closer you'll get to Him. The closer you get to Him, the better you'll know Him. And the cycle just continues. In 1 John chapter 2, 3, we read that the way we know that we know God is keeping His commandments. We've already read that. The word keep was originally a sailor's term. It was based upon the fact that the, in the Bible days, sailors steered by the stars. I don't know how they did that. That's beyond my knowledge. But that's how they steered the boats. What John was saying is when you know God, you will steer your life by His commandments. Your life will be guided by what God says, and the more God sees that you want to be guided by His what God says, the more He'll say to you. And the circle just keeps going. The more you give yourself to God, the more He shows you what He wants you to do. Finally, pursue God's pleasure. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. There are two things that really please God, when you trust Him and when you obey Him. This is the way to really go after God. That's the way that to, you grow in your relationship with God. You believe what God says, and you do it. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 says this, what pleases the Lord more, burnt offerings or sacrifices, obedience to His voice? It is better to obey than to sacrifice. Now think about over the years how many sacrifices have been given up in God's name. And God says, that's not what I want. I want you. I want you to be more. The more you love God, the more you obey God. The more you obey God, the more closer you'll be to God. The closer you get to God, the more you'll know God. The more you know God, the more you'll love God. And the circle just keeps going around and around. I hope you have a thirst and a hunger for God today. If not, maybe this little statement might help. Knowing God is not the only key to earthly life. It's the essence of eternal life. John 17, 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one only true God, and Jesus Christ, who you, whom you have sent. This is why I can say today there is nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, more important 
for Christian people than to know God and to know that they can have a relationship with Him. And let me close with this. Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Did you know that you can know God? Do you know that? Just because you come to church doesn't mean you really grasp that. Do you know you can know Him personally? If you don't, you can. You can know Him today if you want to. The greatest life on the life of this planet Earth is not somebody that gets to be rich and famous because that means nothing. What really matters in this life, do you know that when you die that God will take you with Him? That's what's so important. I don't have to worry about what happens when I die because I know where I'm going. God promised it to me, and I'm not going to lose that. I can't lose it. But so many people don't know that. Let's stand this morning. Dear God, we come to close this service. We just ask you to be with us this morning. Thank you for each one that's here. Lord, you know the needs of every person's life that's in this room today. Lord, I just pray there be anybody here that does not know Jesus Christ in a personal way, that, Lord, they would come forward. Our deacons will be on the side to talk to them. They can share with them what, what needs to be done. Lord, there may be somebody here today who's looking for a church home, and they want to make their home here. That, Lord, that if they're, you're leading him and they want to be a part of this, leading them here, and you want to be a part of the, this church, then, Lord, just let them step forward. Lord, there may be some that just need to bow these steps and pray and say, Lord, I've just drifted away from you over the years. I'm just not the Christian I need to be anymore. And I want to restore that. Just like David had to restore his faith back, his belief system. Lord, whatever the need is this morning, speak to each heart as we sing this song. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.